This is episode 289 for March 2014. All right, gang, it's time for Satellites and Cartoon Reviews with George. We've got how many issues, George? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven spider satellites we're going to review. Yeah, no problem. We, we can knock this out in about 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, so, let's go over the books. We're going to, 20 minutes, man. Uh, uh, the books we're going to review in this episode, Superior Foes of Spider-Man number eight. George has that. Marvel Knights Spider-Man number five finally wraps up. Thank you, Lord. I'll be right reviewing that. Superior Team Up number 10 is George. Superior Carnage Annual number one is me. New Warriors one and two by George. And Ultimate Cataclysm, Does Galactus Eat the, the Ultimate Universe? I know who George is rooting for. <laughs> so, hey, what about gonna, uh, that Deadpool? Uh, isn't there like a Deadpool Carnage? Yeah, it, I, I don't have that book yet, but it, I'll be reviewing that. That's by uh, Cullen Bunn. You are welcome so. to it. <laughs> Actually, the the annual wasn't that bad. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> well, we're going to start with the uh, I think the best book of the month, Superior Foes, or the best satellite book of the month is uh, Sa- Superior Foes number eight, and that's all you, George. Superior Foes is always the the best satellite book of the month. Yep, it really is. I mean, it's just it's the little book that could. All right, so, and I actually reviewed this on the site also, mm-hmm. uh, back when it came out, I think in, in early February. Um, I, somewhere I read there were supposed to be two issues of this come out in February, because um, cause there, was, there was a delay, but it didn't number, we're still waiting on number nine now. So anyway, um, this is called Trap Like Rats by uh, the fantastic team of Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber with fantastic coloring by uh, Rochelle Rosenberg, who does a lot of stuff I started to notice. Really? Yeah, she she does uh, team up also. Okay. A very good colorist. Uh, she's actually got different styles that she uses. I, I actually kind of started to notice that with uh, with her or this month in the books I was reading. Um, anyway, so you got uh, Beetle, Speed Demon, and uh, Overdrive finally come to the inescapable conclusion that Boomerang has double crossed them. Uh, the, they fan out across the city, determined to find uh, Fred, who is of course Boomerang. It's just funner to call him Fred. <laughs> and, and get what's coming to them, though they're not even sure exactly what that is yet. But Boomerang has got a, you know got much bigger problems. Uh, the chameleon is out of jail, and he wants what was promised to him, which is the head of uh, Silvio Silvermane. Now, uh, while Chameleon and his hired muscle torture Boomerang to find out where Silvermane's head is, the Shocker, who actually has Silvermane's head, uh, tries to adapt to his new roommate. It, you know, which is Silvermane's head. Um, which, those are the funniest parts of the, of the damn book. Yeah. Is just Silvermane's head. They, let, they give Silvermane's head, like, most of the... Could we, just, we just call him Silvermane? Why do we have to call him Silvermane's head? Because that's what he is. He's Silvermane's head. I guess it's funnier to say Silvermane's head. <laughs> I love when he lunges for his nose. Oh, my God, that's hysterical. Oh, yeah, yeah. He bites his nose. He does nothing but ridicule him the whole damn time. He's got, so, yeah. he's got the best dialogue in this book. He goes, are you supposed to be quilt man, pillow man? <laughs> you, you snuggle him to death? No, I'm the shocker. Who? Shocker. I'm Spider-Man's arch enemy. Yeah, whatever, son. That's what he says. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in uh, Shocker's apartment. Uh, you know, at one point, you know, he's just he's doing nothing but barking at him. You know, he find, he, Shocker has his mouth taped up, and he rips the tape off. And, all he, and, and the first thing he does is he's like, you know, I want to eat. And I'm like, how are you going to eat? You're just ahead. 
Because he's like, you know, you, you know, jackass, you made me, miss, you made me miss lasagna night when you break quote unquote right. rescue from di- the yeah, junkyard. How, how do you have a hunger? How do you digest if you're just ahead? Where does it go? Questions in comics. You're ahead. Exactly. Where's where's it gonna go? What happens? Anyway, he wants his, he wants something. He wants pizza, lasagna, something. Uh, <laughs> Shocker's going through the fridge, trying to find something. He's like, I got, I got some beef hash. <laughs> I got a hot pocket. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then Silvermane's head is like, wait a second, you live here? And Shocker's like, Shocker's got a leftover plate of hash in his hand. He's like, yeah, so. <laughs> and the head is, you know, so Silvermane's like, hell, I thought you just killed whoever owned it and stowed away here in this place, and you know, dumped the body. You know, and Shocker's like, but it, it's rent controlled. It, uh, r- real quick, go, uh, talk a little bit about Fred's dream in the beginning of the book. Oh yeah, I was going to come back. I was going to come back. Oh, okay, okay, because I think that's hysterical. Uh, yeah, the, the book actually starts. Uh, I guess I, I could go in chronological order instead of just trying to you know give a summary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the book starts off with Chameleon and his friend, who looks like an extra for Magnum PI, um, <laughs> and they're they're torturing Boomerang because they want so you know Silvermane's head. So they they're in uh, Fred's apartment. Working him over, and while they're working him over, Fred's blacking out and having hallucinations, <laughs> you know, about what's going on, and and it, it's it is just some funny stuff. I mean, like he, oh, okay. you know, he's he's finding buried treasure. His girlfriend's topless. She's got Galactus ears or whatever that is that Galactus has on his helmet. Yeah, the ears. Yeah, and, one, and Obama and Obama's yeah. Because at one point he's like, you no, know, Fred's like, uh, thanks Obama, you know, sarcastically. And then on the side is Obama, some fi- who's working a grill. There's a couple of firemen, and then Dormammu. Exactly, who's wearing like a sweater. And I guess he's bringing the I guess he's bringing the burgers over to put on the grill. Yeah, you know. And so the, you know, you know, like what the hell's going on? The hallucination. I love it. And then it goes to it, it goes it goes to. Um, Chameleon's henchman dunking Fred's head in the toilet and, you know, I guess essentially waterboarding him. Yes. Oh. I, I laughed out loud. I literally laughed out loud. Oh, and there's, and, and there's even better hallucinations later on in the issue because, you know, the, the torture uh, ramps up. They, they start moving up to, like, uh, 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 they, you know, they, they disconnect the wires from, like, a lamp and stick the, the wires up his nose <laughs> to shock him. And and they hook it up to a uh, jack in the box. Yeah, to like a little jack in the box that you spin around, you know. Oh. And then he's hallucinating about pirate ships and Barbosa's there from. The Dormammu is sitting on a lounge chair. Yeah, yeah, and then Barbosa's there from um, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my gosh! You know, and it's fun, which is funny because Marvel can do that now because Disney owns them and Barbosa's in the character. Why not? Hell, we ought to have Pirates of the Caribbean comics by now. Where's that, Brad? <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's not a good day for Fred. Uh, you know, Chameleon takes a liking to his uh, Catherine Heigl poster <laughs> and winds up, you know, defaming it on the way out, you know. And as by the way, the the, the note that's left for Fred, who is DK, by the way? They signed it DK. Dear Mr. Myers. Oh, no, that's well, Chameleon's not- name, Dmitry uh, Kravinov. Oh, got it. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I didn't catch that. I, I guess I didn't know his alias. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, remember, remember that whole uh, Hunter Returns or whatever the hell it was. Right, the, <laughs> the crepe novels. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that's what's going on with Fred here, and Fred finally, you know, Chameleon um, starts to figure, oh, I'm not going to get my head, you know. So he stops torturing um, 
he stops torturing Fred when he finds the Doctor Doom painting, mm-hmm. which of course is supposed to be a very compromising painting of of Doctor Doom uh, without his mask on that he <laughs> that he he wanted an artist to paint for him while he was drunk. Right. So uh, he he winds up having a conversation with his girlfriend. We're talking about Boomerang now. Boomerang yes. has a conversation with his girlfriend, and we don't. What is her name? I couldn't get it. I, I don't know. I have gone back through the previous issues trying to find her name, and I can't find her name anywhere. At one point, he calls her mommy after she hits him in the nuts, but that's about as far as I got. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he, he's giving her the whole spiel, and, and then, you know, he tells her, hey, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a superhero. And then she's like, hey, that's a turn on. And he's like, well, okay, what about if I told you I was a supervillain? And she's like, well, that's not as hot. <laughs> you know, it's not entirely a turn off or anything. And she's like, have you killed people? And he's like, well, you know, what are we talking about? Are we talking about for money or, you know? <laughs> you know, he's wanting to split hairs on that. I love it. Anyway, they uh, they have a magical evening and they wind up making out. And sure enough, at the end of the issue, you have them in, in bullseye sights with a sniper rifle. Right. So bullseye is going to drop down something uh, next issue. Hopefully, hopefully, I think that'll be awesome. Hopefully, Fred's girlfriend makes it out of here because I, I, I really like Fred's girlfriend. I love the uh, the random cutaway shots of the the Sinister Six with uh, Silvermane's head just on the counter munching on some pizza. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know, and he does. He has the best moment in this whole book. Oh my gosh! Because you know he, he's going off on um, he's going off on Shocker, yeah, telling him to order a order him a pizza, and you know Shocker they go back and forth, and Shocker's like, well, at least I have a body. Silvermane's head jumps off the counter and bites him on the face, yeah, right dude. on the nose. I think I think we've hit up all the pros of the book. I, any cons out of you? I don't have any. There's, there's I mean, never a con in this book except that it, it, it ends. Yeah, there you go. It ends. It just doesn't come out quick enough. It doesn't. Yeah, it only comes out once a month. There's the con. Yeah. When, when that is your only con for a book, as a creative you know, team, I, you've done you you've hit the jackpot. I, a out of me. What out of you? Oh, it's an, it's, it's an A plus. And, and the saddest thing is, is I think this is going to end. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about that. Allegedly, I hope they reboot it or, or call it amazing. This, folks. this team Mark. needs to be doing something yeah, for dude. Marvel. Yeah. After, if this book does end, Spencer and Lieber, absolutely. Marvel, do not let them get away. No, Put them on something on. else. Don't let them go to DC and do Blue Beetle or something. <laughs> get them something else to do. Got it. I've had... I've had so many Spider fans message me through the message board or email that because of what you and I've said or or the reviews on the front page that they picked this up and loved it. And I wish more people would because it's just it doesn't sell that well. You know what I mean, these two I, dudes should do if, if if this ends? They should be put on Deadpool. Oh my God, that'd be fun. Can you imagine? That'd be funny as hell. Oh. Funny as hell. So I like I like the C list characters of Spider Man's world getting a book. I just love that, it's, and they're doing c- great because you, you can do whatever. Yeah, they don't care. And, and I've <laughs> I've talked to friends about this, you know, and I was I was trying to explain it, you know, what it's like and and how much fun it is. I mean, it, how how many times you could just say that about a comic book these days? It's fun. Oh, I know. And for what is it two ninety nine also. That's even better. Yeah, the price is right. It's fun, and you know, I've told people that it feels like it's a combination of Snatch, you know, the movie Snatch, yeah. and Midnight Run. Very good. I love Midnight. Where Run. you have you have the protagonists or the people that you know they've got the main characters 
every time they try to you know they get one step ahead or or they think they do they fall into a into a new circle of hell you know and they're just they're they're even more miserable and then they have to deal with all this new crap it is it, it just there there's no other marvel book right now well, of no. of the ones that I've been reading um that that make me feel the way I do when I'm done reading this damn thing it really is right. good a plus a plus 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 Okay, well, let's go to the opposite spectrum <laughs> of a book that I'm, I'm going to be doing, you want, yeah, Marvel Night. You want to get this out of the way. Oh, my God. So that, you, five, so that you never have to talk about it again. For five months, <laughs> I have agonized through Marvel Night Spider-Man, written by Mr. Matt Kent and Marco Rudy. And it finally comes to an end, my friends. Uh, the cover, it says Game Over, and I stand up and applaud the Game Over. Uh, there's a hand. Spider-Man's hand is bleeding on the cover, kind of like my brain. Um, I, I I think the best part of the book is where it ended. Um, the last page in the last panel. <laughs> last page. Um, and and I, I you know they have the recap pages of of comics these days. So I'm just going to read this to you. It says because uh, I've been reading it for five months and I still don't have any idea what's going on. So I'm going to read the recap page and hope it helps my ass out, which it really doesn't. Uh, Peter Parker, the Amazing Spider-Man, was lured to a mysterious haunted house where Archfo Arcade told him a mysterious enemy had offered up a challenge. Spider-Man must fight 99 of his most vile enemies, or countless innocent lives will be lost. And he's fought from the haunted mansion to a jetliner above the Earth, all the way to a submarine in the deep seas. After washing up on an island off the coast of Malta, Spider-Man became the prey of Craven. Both of them trapped into playing... Uh, their own version of the most dangerous game. With the aid of the owl, Spider-Man escaped the island and made his way to Malta, unaware of the new threat that waited for him there. Okay, so that explains what's been going on for five issues, which I've read, and I still don't know what happened. Um, if you remember from the last issue, uh, Spider-Man ended the book with a bullet to the head. <laughs> Well, well, we don't touch on that at all. Um, at least I can't tell from the art if he's bleeding or not. He got better. I guess he got better. Um, then there's just a bunch of random, random uh, pictures of Spider-Man fighting people. I have no idea what's going on. I still don't. Um, he, he more villains appear, and he he seems to think Wilson Fisk is behind a lot of this. And he runs into, like, the D-list villains. He, he runs across the spot. Uh, oh, what's the Dominic Fortune he runs across? Uh, at some point in this book, you also run across really, really low villains to, to hit the 99 villain quota. You see uh, Paul Jenkins' uh, mistake called typeface. <laughs> you also uh, see uh, the hypno-hustler makes a cameo appearance in this. Basically, every panel uh, is Spider-Man fighting some peop somebody that, etc. But like a crescent moon, God, this is, just sounds so odd to explain it. Is the the eyes and the nose and the mouth of Wilson Fisk? He's like a moon in every picture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, how the hell can I explain this? It's it's what's happening. Uh, also, you, uh, uh, Hypnotussler typeface, I see uh, the White Queen, uh, the guy that looks kind of like Kazar that he fought in Marvel Team-Up with the, the suspenders. I can't think of that guy's name. Uh, he's there. So basically, uh, as the art becomes a little bit more readable, uh, about three-fourths of the way through it, 
uh, I guess he comes out of his trip phase, and you see Richard Fisk and uh, Wilson Fisk fighting. And uh, evidently, Richard bet that Spider-Man would be able to fight the 99 villains, and Wilson said no. So it was like a bet between father and son, and Wilson Fisk paid 99 villains to go up against Spider-Man. Basically, that's the whole gist of gist of the story. I got 99 problems, Brad, and the villains ain't one. And Wilson, <laughs> can you imagine the logistics of hiring 99 people who are criminals and saying, I want you to go after Spider-Man. So the book is ending with uh, Wilson Fist fighting Spider-Man, punches him in the gut. Um, and Richard say, I'm on your side, Spider-Man. I always was. I hire uh, and blah, blah, blah. And then Wilson explains, uh, anyway, that that is ending the book. Uh, you just want this it, over with. It is. And it, it's I can tell. so... It, it's so hard to describe what's going on because I really can't tell from the artwork and the narration. But um, uh, Spider-Man's mask, I've, I've complained about this before, his mask is ripped so much that you can clearly see it's Peter Parker. I mean, there's no doubt you can tell who it is. And a limo just randomly at the end rolls up and says, uh, uh, Peter, I'm here. Uh, and the, the last page of it is Spider-Man kissing Mary Jane and... Uh, the end. I want whew, Brad. I want you to take all those books. Yeah. All those Marvel Knight Spider-Man books. Yeah. Put them all in a stack and then look at them and then realize I could have had a Marvel Legend figure. <laughs> Four dollars times five is twenty bucks. I spent to share with you listeners the craptacular story let, of Marvel Spider-Man. Let me let me quiz you, yeah. Brad Douglas, on a couple of things. All right then. Um. First of all, it's clear that this was this story happened because of blackmail. Somebody, somebody, somebody had something over Wacker. I guess. Um, aside from uh, one more day in Omit, uh, which are, in, in, in my estimation, the the worst Spider-Man stories ever told. I could read those. Yeah, they were. You I, could actually. I understood. I understood the story going. They had on. a point A to point B to point C. Exactly. It just it was horrible, but. Granted, you didn't like what was going right. on, but I understood what I read. So is is this – can you think of anything that was Spider-Man related that was worse than this? No. And uh, something, some things that have come close is when uh, Spider-Man in the 90s went up with an image crossover like where he teamed up with Bad Rock. Remember that kind of stuff? Ugh. I, you know? I, I'd put that crap out of my head. Thanks, Brad. Uh, <laughs> that was bad. The the miniseries that Jr. and I bitch about a lot called Great Responsibility, where he had an affair with that uh, that milf or that gilf or whatever she was that uh, he met in the wrestling ring after Amazing Fantasy fifteen. Oh. That was that was bad. Um, but it was co- but, but it not- was coherent. But it was coherent. I could read the panels coherently and figure out what was going on. This, I have no idea. One issue ends with him getting a sh- getting shot in the head with a, a gun. The next one starts with him tripping again. I, I don't understand. I really don't. Wow. It's unre- un- unreadable. $20 unreadable. The long national nightmare is over for you, Brad. There you go. I wonder if we'll have, vi- uh, we'll have a sequel to this. This thing ending is like you getting to kill Freddy Krueger in your dream, isn't it? <laughs> because it's been a nightmare. You can sleep now at night. Oh, oh my goodness. What do we got next, George? <laughs> Let's move on. All right, well, uh, what do you want to do next? 
Uh, I had the. Uh, I've, I've got. I've got. Uh, you want to? I've got New Warriors one and New Warriors two. Uh, you want to do uh, Spider-Man team, or, or do you want to go to something else that sucks? Uh, let's do more suck. Okay, uh, <laughs> well, we'll go to more suck then. Uh, we'll go to New Warriors number one. Oh, you didn't like it? Oh, did you read it? I read issue one. I did not read issue two yet. There, there are there are <laughs> there are more holes in this plot than there are in Bonnie and Clyde's bodies, Brad. Ooh, nice. nice All right. Nice, nice. So, yeah. New Warriors number one. He starts off with the High Evolutionary just losing it. You know, he's not really. He's he. The High Evolutionary is a cat who sometimes is on the good side, sometimes is on the bad side. Yeah, and and his his character has always been ruined for me since that uh, Gwen Stacy annual and spec from the nineties, where I, that, that I just don't get that. Some one. people don't know how to write the High Evolutionary. <laughs> And, and I, I've never really cared for the character. I don't think he belongs in a Spider-Man book. Either. He doesn't belong in a, in a Spider-Man book. No. Um, no. But uh, when he, when used properly, he can be really cool. Um, yeah. Now, here he actually the the story starts off with him killing off his new men, which didn't make any sense to me, uh, including Bova. You know who Bova is? It's the cow lady. It's the cow lady. It it, it is. Yeah. Uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch's foster mother. Right. She's been around since God, the early seventies, I think. Um, so he's killing all of them off, and you see her, you know, crawling away in a pool of blood, and she's asking him, "Why, why, why did we do wrong?" And he's like, "You did nothing wrong. You're just genetic trash. I can't have you anymore." Or no, you weren't <laughs> supposed to be. You didn't call him genetic trash. Pardon me. Right. Um, now you don't actually see her die. For all we know, she crawled off panel and she's dying somewhere. You know. Yeah. They didn't want to milk it for all it's worth, you know. Well, I, I think they wanted to leave it, and, you know, because she is a really good supporting character for when you want to do Wanda stuff. Right. Or anytime you're in Transia and, you know, you, you're dealing with that Cathan stuff. She, she's, she's good for a lot of different things. Right. So I think they, they wanted to be kind of nebulous with her. At least I'm hoping so because I, I kind of like her. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, so the High Evolutionary has gone nuts for all we know. Um, if not, then heaven help the High Evolutionary because Wanda will come after him and drop a mountain on him. <laughs> um, so the, the High Evolutionary is working with these beings called the Evolutionaries, which uh, writer Christopher Yost – oh, yeah, I should say this is written by Christopher Yost, uh, dr- uh, drawn by Marcus Toe, T.O. I like his art. I like his art, but it's inconsistent. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. And, uh, and colored by uh, David Curiel, who actually does a really good job here. Um, now, Yost had created the evolutionaries back in twenty uh, back in two thousand eleven. Um, oh, X Men Giant Size or something like that. I think it is. So, so the only time we've ever seen him is when Yost has used them before. They look, okay. they're like you know, they usually show up in groups of three in the story, and and you know, they're like very powerful beings that emit you know energy blasts. And the gist of it is, is they're going after people who I guess are just genetically wrong. They're going after mutants. We find out, you know, later they're going after inhumans, you know, Morlocks. Unless you're, you know, superheroes. Unless you're like Iron Man and and your stuff is technically technology that you, you know, like you're wearing an arm suit or something, you're unacceptable to the gene pool, and they've got to okay. get rid of you. Um, meanwhile, okay, so that's what's happening here. Uh, you've got Justice and Speedball. They show up in New Salem, Colorado. New Salem, Colorado first appeared over in uh, the Fantastic Four back in the day. Back in the day. Um, and, and Salem Seven, uh, it's like a powerful group of witches. 
Mm-hmm. Back when they first showed up in, in uh, Fantastic Four, they were all – the entire town was full of devil worshippers mm. who were uh, led by Nicholas Scratch. Uh, it was a very powerful magician, and apparently they all got better, and they're trying not to be devil worshippers anymore because now New Salem, Colorado is a safe haven for magical people. Um, the leader of the, of the Salem Seven, um, uh, Vertigo. Uh, even even explains to justice later on, you know, that we're we're trying, you know, not to be known as the devil worshippers, and you know, we're trying to protect people who have magical powers. Even Doctor Strange sends people our way sometimes. So uh, so that's new. That's a new take on New Salem, Colorado. Why Justice and Speedball are actually in New Salem, Colorado, is never explained. <laughs> well, what else are they going to do? <laughs> I don't know. Hang out in New York. <laughs> Well, you haven't seen these characters since Avengers. Oh, Initiative, I guess. Oh, uh, it was I think Academy. I think Academy is the last time you saw Speedball. Okay, yeah. So Speed, so, so Speedball, for those of you keeping score at home, mm-hmm. has was a youthful hero created by Steve Ditko. Yes. Or co-created by Steve Ditko. Uh, Ditko, pardon me. And it was part of the New Warriors. He's always kind of been, you know, their their sarcastic, you know, one-liner guy. Um, Until Warren Ellis got a hold of yeah, him. Yeah, and uh, well, that you know, Civil War happened. Yeah, and uh, and then the New Warriors, of course, and you know, they had the whole thing with Stamford, Connecticut, and uh, Speedball. You know, was partly responsible for a lot of people dying. Um, yeah. Wound up getting real jacked up, became a completely different hero, called, well, quasi hero called Penance, who you know was very dark and cut him. He was a cutter, cut himself all the time. Yeah, but apparently none of that has happened. Because Speedball <laughs> acts exactly like he like he you know was in like the when was it late eighties early nineties when when New Warriors early nineties early nineties they're the heroes of the nineties yeah. is what they were called yeah so so all he's so apparently you don't get any any sort of hint that this kid's learned anything of the lessons of Stamford because he starts a fight with Salem Seven when when Justice goes into a Seven Eleven and Speedball starts hitting uh, one of like the strong man for the uh, Salem Seven uh, Bruticus. You know, right. I'm like, well, wow, okay, so apparently all that stuff hasn't happened. <laughs> we just hit the magical reset button on this guy again. There's been no character growth. But the the reason we're reviewing the book is because of Kane and and Scarlet Spider. Right. For the, sorry, I guess we should preface that. Well, we're, <laughs> well, we're, people are yeah. the welcome to the welcome to the Speedball Satellites. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But no, I, I, you, I don't think you read the Scarlet Spider uh, twenty-five issue series. Did you? I did not. Uh, I liked it quite a bit, and uh, I wanted to read more of the character. And, and Yost was the the writer who's now doing this, and, and that takes us to where issue twenty-five left off, where uh, Kane and Arsely were hanging. A- Araceli, out. I think that's how- Araceli. There you go. And she's actually, you know, she does a hero bit now, in which she calls herself Hummingbird. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because she doesn't look anything like a hummingbird, at all. I mean, at all. She looks like you know, she looks like Gamora or something. You know, or with the cape. Yeah. yeah. Any. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, they're in Mexico, and Kane just wants to get away from it. Kane's like, I am so done being a superhero. I'm done risking my life. I want to get drunk on this beach that I don't even like. <laughs> you know, I am just done. Um, yeah. She has to guilt trip him into helping a people and helping a couple that are getting mugged. And I, that was that was the only part of the issue that had me just 
dying laughing was when he turned around, looked at the tourists, and just went off on them. The people that got, the people he just saved. He just goes off on. He's like, "What are you? Are you effing stupid? You're in Mexico. Get out of Mexico." And I'm like, "Stay the hell out of Mexico." And I was like, "Yes, that's awesome. That is sound advice for everybody right now. Don't go to Peter Mexico." Parker. Peter Parker's clone. Yeah. So, um, so they're just chilling out on the beach, you know, enjoying the and the sunset. I don't know. Are, are they a couple? No, they're they're they're. Because I'm getting like a Wolverine, uh, Kitty, Ju- Jubilee, Kitty Pride yeah. or Jubilee vibe from them, and I didn't know if they yeah, were lovers or if they're like mentor kind of thing. No, they're they're just friends. Because they're setting him up to to very much be the Wolverine of this team. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, that, that's abundant clear. Well, the 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 next scene where they're on the beach and the and the ocean turns red was the last panel of 25 of Scarlet Spider. Oh, was it okay? Yeah, that, that they were like, why is the why is the the water red? So it well, you, yeah, it. you know why it's red because there's a lot of dead water breathers washing up on the beach, uh, and one one living one who says her name is Farah Sarnemora of Atlantis yeah. of Atlantis, and she's seeking heroes. I, I learned um, this week, and I forgot where I read it, that they actually wanted to use Namora, and it was poo pooed by editorial. Why? She's a new warrior. What else is she doing? Well, the, I don't know, but like the the Namora, there was, or, or the, pardon me, the Namorita. The Namorita we had, who I think got killed in Stanford. She did, but they got her back from an alternate timeline. From, yeah, so the one from the alternate yeah. timeline, I don't need, she may have not have been in a new warrior. I don't know how it works out. But anyway, editorial said, no, you can't use Namorita. So yeah. they go and just get another Atlantia girl who's actually, whose last name is Namora. Was, That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Why not? And I'm, 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 okay. What, why didn't you just go with a, a, another direction with it, you know, or something? Have a Cree alien girl, something, you know, whatever. Anyway, so that's all that happens. They just they they see her wash up on the beach with all these dead bodies. Right. Um. This you got the kid Kid Nova stuff too, which I I know nothing about Kid Nova. Well, all I know from Kid Nova is what I've seen on the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, and he's damn annoying. Yeah. Yep. Um, I like. I like. You know, sue me. I like the old Nova. Me too. And I'm like, if Star Lord is alive, why can't the old Nova be alive? But anyway, what, what, what would you give the grade on this one, George? Uh, I gave this a D, Brad. There, oh, really? There's a yeah. lot of problems with this book. That's a rough start. And I, and I know this is. Yeah, this is a first. You know, a first book. But this, and yeah. it's weird. You know, you started mentioning Bad Rock. You know, this this felt to me like a like a nineteen early nineteen nineties. Or mid nineteen nineties, generic any team setup book. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, New Warriors is wrapped in nineties. I mean, the, uh, New Warriors was one of the best things of the nineties. I think. Yeah, but I the storytelling methods back in the nineties were yep. not so great. It was. Ba- I think this issue is basically a setup of this, these are the characters, these are the players and the team, and the, this is what we're going to do with the chess pieces. We don't, we don't get an – why is Speedball basically – why has he lost 10 years of character development? Yeah. Why are he and Justice even in New Salem to begin with? Mm-hmm. What was the impetus to reform the – to you know, form the team back, and why is the only character who is even asking that question, uh, which is Vertigo, how is she even prompted to do it? It's like she just makes an offhand remark. So I hear you're getting the new warriors back together. Oh, is it? Because that's the only time we've heard of it in this issue. Because Justice <laughs> sure hadn't brought it the hell up. Any pros? Um, no, there's, there's not. I mean, the art's decent, but even it, it's yeah. inconsistent. 
it's sometimes Justice looks like he's twelve. Sometimes he looks like he's in his early twenties. Yeah. And then we're get, it gets even more inconsistent a little bit in, in, in the next book. I mean, it's a good art style overall. It's just like sometimes yeah. it, it seems like the artist doesn't know how old some of the characters are supposed to be. Yeah. And I, but I tell you, Speedball's first bit of dialogue where he's making puns with war because they're the new warriors yeah. had me feeling like I was becoming stupider just by reading. It. <laughs> this was not a good start. This was I, I, I picked this up. Because well, I have to review it on the satellite now, but also because mm-hmm. it's Christopher Yost. There's a lot of stuff that Yost has been involved with that I've enjoyed. I agree. And this is but, sloppy. And two just came out what yesterday that we're recording on this on a Thursday. Uh, let's focus on the Kane part. Is Kane have he isn't even on the cover of the next issue? Uh, I don't know. Um, I can't remember if he's on the cover or not. Uh, he has a fight in it, but kind of, sort go. of, barely. What's Kane do? Um, is that, we just want to focus on what Kane does. Yeah, let's yeah. screw it. Let's let's just focus on Kane. <laughs> okay. Um, well, what what you know? It, it starts off immediately from where it left off in the in the other book, where um, you know, immediately Kane, you know, puts two and two together and comes up with five and assumes that this woman has murdered all these what we find are Lemurians. Uh-oh. That's how every Marvel team up starts. Oh, I know. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. you know misunderstanding. Well, Pardon me. Don't explain. Let's just fight. As Speedball said in the first issue, mistakes were made. Um, mm-hmm. So that he winds up fighting her, and she kicks his ass pretty quick. Yeah. And you know, this is another case of where you have a brand new character schooling uh, an, an established character to try, you know, to try to establish them as a badass. Um, she basically traps him in a giant water spout. Her name's going to be Water Snake, by the way, which is a lot easier to say than her real name. Trouser snake. Sorry, <laughs> oh, you're a horrible human being, gentlemen. I know it. <laughs> oh my that's god, her bro- that's her brother. <laughs> Trouser snake, meat water snake. So she, yeah, well, yeah, he'll be in a. Uh, he'll, he'll be in a different. He's gonna. He's he's coming up in superior foes. <laughs> anyway, so she traps him in a water spout and he can't breathe. And then uh, Araceli saves his bacon by using her uh, her empath powers and making this chick stand down. It- is he doing the uh, the itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout? No, he's, he's doing called... help me, help me. I can't effing breathe. That's what he's doing. <laughs> and wondering why he's in Mexico. That, oh my that's what god, he's doing. that's so funny. Why are you in effing Mexico, Kane? Exactly. Now, now, <laughs> uh, this uh, then immediately right after that they get they get attacked by these evolutionaries. Okay. Uh, and the evolutionaries we find out later really don't like the Inhumans. It's like the Inhumans have to die above everything else. Okay. Like, like, you know, like, oh, we've got mutants and inhumans. Kill the inhumans first. They all have to die. Um, so that's what's going is, on with Kane, anyway. Is the second issue better than the first? It's slightly better than the first because we've got a lot more action. Yeah. Um, there are some interesting characters. Sun Girl is fair, was fairly interesting to me. Um, but there's still so many damn plot holes. Why are the evolutionaries just attacking the people who are going to be in this book across the world? No one else. There's so many inhuman characters and other types of characters out there, mutants. Why are none of them getting attacked? Just the people that are going to be in this book specifically. I, I just I don't get it. We're never giving an, an explanation. We're never uh, at one point. Justice and Speedball go to the Avengers Tower to try to get help. No one's there. Jarvis doesn't explain why. They're just like, oh, okay, well, we need to look at your files and cross-reference something with the X-Men so they can find out what the hell the evolutionaries are. Yeah. But it's just it's sloppy. I I expected so much more. Well, hopefully, uh, it sounds uh, it sounds like it's writing for the trade a little bit. Um, and th- they're probably going to wrap it up in five issues, explain the 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 
the reason for the team getting together, I, I guess. Something this week, I don't yeah. – man, I don't, I don't know how you keep this stuff going on. This yeah. just seems like it was – almost like it well, was you, last minute or something. I don't know. It's just – this is sloppy. Well, you gave the first issue a D. What do you give this issue to? I give it a C. I mean, like I said, there was yeah. a lot of action. I, I do like seeing you know superheroes fight stuff. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of that at the end of it. You know, you have the high evolutionary explain to uh, Nova that the Celestials are coming back, and I'm like, dude, something like the Celestials coming back is going to be like take a year and a half across 147 titles. There's going to be a checklist for that if that happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I just don't know. This thing's all over the place, and and like I said, the, the plot holes in this could fill the damn Grand Canyon. <laughs> Okay, time for Superior Carnage Annual Number One, which is actually the first time an annual has ever happened after a miniseries. Written by our our friend Cullen Bunn, art by Kim Jacinto and Mike Henderson. They split the book, and uh, I reviewed uh, Superior Carnage, the miniseries, basically where it he uh, fought uh, Claw, etc. And he didn't have any brain function. You remember that? And Claw yeah. zapped it back into his brain. So, we start the book, Cletus Cassidy's in jail at the Kramer Penitentiary in New Jersey. Never heard of it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> just created for this book. And, and he's talking to a shrink about uh, how he's in jail, etc., and the shrink is a little bit shady, and you can tell he has ulterior motives. So, uh, Cletus uh, doesn't make friends easily in the, pen- in the penitentiary, obviously. Uh, and he gets in a little bit of a fight in, of all places, the laundry. And uh, the bad guy with a bunch of tattoos has sharpened his toothbrush. You know, he's getting rid of cavities and Cletus. He's going to shiv somebody. He's going to shiv. He shivs Cletus right in the neck. And uh, across uh, over in New York and Spider Island 2, I didn't know there were multiple Spider Islands. I guess, I don't know. I thought, I thought there was just... Uh, this is called Spider Island 2. But anyway, there's a uh, uh, a sample of the, the Carnage uh, symbiote. It looks like the main part of the symbiote. And uh, as uh, Cletus gets shivved, uh, the, the symbiote reacts and uh, busts out of the tube. And uh, the spider henchmen from uh, Spock were like, what the hell's going on? And, and the symbiote pretty much dies. Then you cut... To uh, Cletus in the bed with the the shady shrink, and he's like, "What's going on?" In bed with the with the shrink. Uh, yes, they're cuddling. He's a fork, and he's the spoon. So it's a, no, it's a no, they're shrink. No, <laughs> no, they're just talking. Uh, and uh, then you cut to another laboratory over in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and this gal Carla is examining a piece of the symbiote. Evidently, they've cut pieces of the symbiote apart and uh, she's examining it and as she's examining it it's on a little uh, slide that she's looking at it through the uh, viewfinder of the microscope her cell phone goes off and it's her abusive husband and as she starts yelling the uh, the little sample uh, gets upset due to the anger and hops right into her eye through the lens of the microscope up to her eye and uh, she rushes home She's in pain. She's bleeding, and the guy's like, "Where's my dinner? Why? Why are you?" And just as abusive, and she goes into the bathroom to calm herself, and comes out as a female symbiote, a female carnage, and murders her abusive husband. 
and and when that happens, uh, Cletus in the bed starts uh, suffering pain. He's uh, feeling what the symbiote's feeling, and the the abusive scientist goes to a gas station and vomits right in the middle of the floor with the sound effect blurg. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and, and the uh, the uh, the gas station attendant uh, is like, "What the hell? I'm going to call 911." And then the symbiote uh, leaps out of the woman from the vomit and goes into the man's mouth. This, so the symbiote is hopping hosts. I'm going to throw up. And, and that's what the symbiote does. So the symbiote is hopping hosts in an attempt to get back to Cletus. Is basically what is happening. In the meantime, uh, Cletus is in the bed. The shrink is just. Uh, uh, he, he wants the, the symbiote for himself pretty much and, and attempts to uh, kill Cletus with a pillow. You know, the old pillow trick where you could put it over his uh, nose and he suffocates. The, 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 the shrink is doing this. The shrink does this. It seems to that seems to violate the 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 Hippocratic the patient, the, exactly. the Hippocratic oath. Basically, the shrink wants the suit, so he's he wants the suit to come to him. So he uh, kills Cletus. That's where it dies. And then you cut to several scenes of the symbiote hopping from host to host through the mouth. They vomit it. It comes out. It goes to the next host. Uh, it hops in a taxi cab, etc. Then it eventually goes to a worker. <laughs> it takes a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a taxi to the, to, to the penitentiary to to a worker uh. that works there, and um, the symbiote uh, eventually gets on to Cletus Cassidy and uh, revives him from his death state. So uh, from his death state, he's he's dead, and the the symbiote revives him. He 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 improves upon uh, the death's crippling death. effects. Exactly. Oh my God. So anyway, um, <laughs> Kalidus goes nuts. He starts killing everybody in the penitentiary. He kills the bully that shivved him with his toothpaste. Or not his toothpaste. His, tooth, his toothpaste. That's awesome. Tell me how long did it take to shiv somebody with their toothpaste? <laughs> Very slow. Yeah. Anyway, he pretty much kills the whole prison. And he ends the book with saying, old times, old times come again. And then it, it uh, previews how the next time that you'll see Cletus is where he teams up with Deadpool. Um, I guess C, out of me, I, I like the, uh, I, I like Carnage. He's a violent character. And uh, I like that they're reunited, and he has has some brains. <laughs> That's a venom stick, but I like that he actually is is a sick, twisted individual again, as opposed to just in a coma state. Uh. So if if you like Carnage, you'll probably like that book. I mean, Bun writes an. Uh, I, I enjoyed the book. I mean, it wasn't awful. Uh, the artwork was probably a con, but uh, it's not bad. It's. It, I. I don't know if it's worth the price tag of four ninety nine. You can't see the face I'm making right now. I. I can. I can imagine. Oh. You're wanting to go shift somebody with your toothpaste. This is rough. <laughs> you. You've never been a fan of Carnage anyway, though, right? I liked Carnage when he first showed up. That's the way most everybody liked Venom. I didn't also. like him by the end of Maximum Carnage. I was yeah. tired of him by the end of Maximum Carnage and was hoping he'd just die. <laughs> Well, he he's back to his old ways. You just don't see below the waist what happened to him. <laughs> uh, your turn. Your turn. My turn. All your right. Turn. Well, we're gonna go over to uh, Superior uh, Spider-Man Team Up. 
Yep. Uh, this uh, this is uh, the tenth issue of this series. I don't know. Have they said if this is going to keep going? Uh, it's been canceled after um, they haven't uh, listed any more issues after that two part Ox story. I'm scared. They're, I'm scared they're going to they're going to try a new team up book. I want a spec book. I'm tired of the team up. Book, I'm honestly. I'm tired of the team up book too. And uh, yep. here's the thing. I mean. I know JR hates Marvel Team Up. I liked Marvel Team Up. There are some low moments. Yes. Yep. But there's also some really good stories in there. There's there's yep. there are some really just really good stories in there and a lot of people make their first appearance there. Mm-hmm. But with everything that's happened to Spider-Man and especially to Peter, we we don't need to to keep diluting him. He shouldn't be on a team. He he shouldn't be teaming up. We should just be focusing on Peter and getting back to Peter. You know, right. and, and and so I, but I, I guarantee you, there's going to be some sort of team up book, and it's going to have Red Hulk and Wolverine, and it's just going to be stupid. <laughs> anyway, um, so but now that being said, Superior Spider-Man, the couple of issues that I've just read, I've been really good. <laughs> you know, they've been entertaining. Right. So uh, anyway, in this one you have, but that's because we're dealing with Otto. Um, you have Otto. I'm just going to call him Otto. We all know who he is. Right. You have Otto, Daredevil, and the Punisher. Fighting for their lives against what they think are uh, auto spiderlings, you know, who have betrayed them in the last issue, uh, inside Spider Island. Uh, here you have Otto's pride working against him uh, as Daredevil and uh, and Frank Castle are trying to save him and themselves, uh, but he keeps fighting it the entire time. Every time somebody tries to help him, he you know he's either abusive to them or stops them. Um, it was interesting to see Otto stopping you know uh, Daredevil and the Punisher. You know, every time they try to assist him that way. Um, it's funny and it works well for the story because, you know, later on, you know, Shinnick's going to, you know, he, he's got auto thinking. They say, you know, pride cometh before the fall. And that's what all this is leading to over in superior pride. Pride is what, you know, led him to be blind against, uh, the possibility of Norman Osborn attacking him, you know, mm-hmm. and something that he's realized. Um, so I like that that's tying a lot of things together. It, it feels cohesive. Uh, for the most part, until uh, until we get to the end, um, with what's happening in Superior, um, but for some reason, you know, when Otto realizes that he isn't the one being betrayed by his own men, you know, uh, yeah. because that's what he thinks. You know, he's like at the beginning of this, he's like, "Oh my God, betrayal!" You know, um, and that it's just a strike team that's being sent in from the outside. I actually, and I don't know why I, I, I thought this. I in my head, I actually went, "Oh." <laughs> Poor Ock. Yeah, I was like, oh, you know, his his boys are. Yeah, because yeah, he's like, you know, my old men are on another level, and I can't get them down here because I can't get past the security code. And I'm thinking, oh, so somewhere out there, there's spiderlings who are still loyal to Ock, like number twenty three, <laughs> <laughs> who we'll talk about. He later. was like, oh, he was my favorite. He was my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. The action here is really good. Uh, it's very top notch. A lot of good, you know, Daredevil this- and. This art, oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, it's really well done, except for one aspect, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, but the action is, is top-notch. I, I love the way Daredevil and Punisher work well together, despite their vastly different philosophies on crime fighting. Yep. Uh, I really did enjoy that. I, I like the fact, Daredevil is such a hypocrite. He's like the Thomas Jefferson of uh, of the superhero <laughs> world. You know, he's like, he, he doesn't want to kill anybody, except for when he kills people. Right, right. You know? So, <laughs> anyway. So... Uh, the best moment for me here is when uh, Otto asks the Punisher, you know, how he can be sure that a particular goblin glider is the one that the Punisher stole for him to use personally. And Punisher's yeah. like, well, I don't know, maybe because it's armed with missiles. Oh, and because it has a giant effing skull on the front of it. 
<laughs> That's the best line it. of the whole book. Yep. Uh, unfortunately for me, I, the artist, I, uh, Marco, this is written by Kevin Shinnick and, and drawn by Marco Cicchetto. Again, uh, the coloring by Rachel Rosenberg, who did uh, Superior Foes. Completely different style, and she does a fantastic job. Um, if, if you look on the front, they uh, on, on the cover, they have the wrong artist. It, it's way. a different cover artist. Oh, it is? Uh, you mean like... Yeah, they, they don't say Cicchetto on the cover. Oh, they don't. Sliney is what it says. Hmm, I didn't notice that. Anyway, yeah. um, but his Punisher still still too young. Yeah, it's too young to me. It's like he could be in a boy band. It's like it's like Joey Fatone is the Punisher from twenty years he, ago. Pun- Punisher should be in his forties. He's looking at least twenty five in this book, I guess. Yeah, Punisher in my mind should be like as old as Batman. Yeah, you know, two late thirties, two early two 40s. grizzled veterans who've been fighting a very long war. Yeah, you know, but. Um, I I like it here that you know to basically win they have to flood the entire chamber with uh, water you know from out in the bay or whatever or from out to sea they flood the entire chamber and get away on the uh, on the goblin glider and they're the ones who actually like uh, I think it was Daredevil who reached down and saved Doc from drowning um, yeah. you know despite his you know despite his uh, objections uh, anyway I, I'm going to give it a B plus there's a lot of good action. Um, for me, this this conflict, the, the dead end of this, con- it seems the conflict with Superior Spider-Man number 27, you know, where you, you've got Otto seeing the bridge and that issue and realizing that it's Osborne behind everything. Mm-hmm. Well, here he sees the tattoo and then realizes it's Osborne. In both issues, it's, it, it, it's a new realization for him. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. What, which actually happened? <laughs> which came first? Did, did, he, did, did one happen first and then he forgot it? Right, and, and then rediscover uh, yeah, that part didn't ma- everything it meshed up until that point. Um, yeah. So that that's that's just a, a minor gripe. Uh, anyway, uh, but I, overall, I, I like the last two issues. I liked uh, number nine and number ten. I did too. I, I think the the Ock storyline coming up next should be pretty good too. You know, and yeah. I, I'm just going to say in a side comment, I, <laughs> I'm actually pulling for Ock against the whole Green Goblin thing. I, I want Ock to have a win. Yeah. I want him to have a win before he goes down, you know, before before Peter finally comes back. I'm just like, I'm like, you know, by God, you you you've earned it. <laughs> I, Doc needs a win. You're you're rooting for the bad guy, huh? I get, yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's it's the bad guy trying to do something good. I, yeah. I mean, people rooted for Doctor Doom to help out his mom. Yeah, that's true. You know, so and Ock is someone who's is a character who through the years has been shown trying to help other people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I want Oct to get a win here. All right. Uh, last book we're going to tackle is uh, Cataclysm, The Ultimate's Last Stand, number five, written by Mr. Bendis and Mr. Bagley, who started the Ultimate Universe, and I, are they going to end it with this issue? I hope so. I got my fingers crossed. All right, all right. Um, Miles Morales and Reed Richards, the evil Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe, <laughs> went back to the 616 universe to find out how do I beat the Galactus. So they come back... And they're um, and Galactus is in the final stages of eating the Earth, and they're like Kitty Pride, you're our only hope. And so they they increase Kitty Pride's uh, size, and Kitty Pride, as you know, messes with electronics. If she gets near electronics, she destroys them. So uh, he, sh- they increase her size, and uh, Miles and Reed Reed. Uh, uh, 
give her a bit of a pep talk, and they, they say, don't think about the planning machine that you need to destroy. Don't think about the cosmic entity that is here to destroy us. Think about the world, and think about the world you're saving. And then you have a great splash page of pretty much every character that has had an impact in this world. And uh, Bagley just knocks it out of the park. Just It's, it's a floating heads of so many people that you see. You see Hulk, you see Spider-Man, you see the original Peter Parker. Mary Almost Kane. like it should be an homage of saying goodbye to this universe. Exactly like, are we going to say goodbye? Is Kitty Pride going to take him out? <laughs> uh, th- uh, more, more word balloons. Uh, think about the face of every person you've ever met. Think about the face of every person they have ever met. And think about all the people who have already died because of this monster. Think about the children. Think about the babies. And then that Kitty Pride has had enough. She hauls off and punches Galactus right in the in the face. And uh <laughs> are you not are you not buying uh, Kitty can take on Galactus? Okay. Oh so so her mutant ability of messing with electronics just messes his stuff up. Like his machinery starts blowing up. Um in the meantime, Reed Richards his uh little toy that he brought back from the six one six universe uh, he starts powering that up as Kitty Pride is distracting Galactus. And then he sends the little device towards Galactus and activates it. And that starts a wormhole, and he's basically going to send uh, Galactus into the negative zone. And, uh, Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, he sends that Galactus. That's a lot of potential right there. Yeah. So Galactus, there's a giant sucking sound, which was from Marvel Knights uh, number five we just read. But no, uh, in the Ultimate Universe 2. So um, they say there's nothing in the negative zone for him to consume there. He'll starve to death. And uh, There's lots of stuff out in the negative zone. <laughs> what? Is there planets in the negative zone for him, dude? Yeah, you got a Nihilus out there and all his minions. You got Blastar. There's like planetoids and all kinds of crap out in the negative zone. Okay, well, maybe he can eat that. Maybe he can't eat that. I don't know. Anyway, uh, as Galactus is getting sucked into the negative zone, Kitty Pride is also going out there. And uh, Reed Richards is like, well, she knew what she was doing when she signed up. And Miles is like, hell no, she's not. So Miles uh, well, starts... Well, he's, he's evil, Reed. He's, he is evil, Reed. Exactly. So uh, Sue Storm and Galactus... Uh, and, and Galactus. Sue Storm and Miles uh, were like, we're going to rescue uh, Kitty. Hold on. And Thor is like, uh, I'll go take out Galactus. And so as uh, Miles reaches... He's like, shrink, Kitty, and he grabs her by the arm, and, and Sue uh, takes him back, and it's Galactus is pushed into the negative zone by Thor <coughs> in his hand. And that's the last you see of Galactus, and Thor is sucked into the... Thor pretty much gives his life to save the Ultimate Universe. Good, because the Ultimate Universe Thor is stupid. Yeah, he's a little hippie, isn't he? And uh, Re- the evil Reed Richard goes, well, he knew what he was doing. And... Um, so the ultimate universe survives, George. God damn it. <laughs> and that actually is the name of the one shot that's going to set up the next three ongoings. It's going to be called Survive. This, this is terrible. I, I not, I, because here's the, when I, I don't think hang, it's hang, hang on now. Hang on. When, when Kitty Pride punches Galactus, I'm going to say that again for those of you keeping score at home. <laughs> when Kitty Pride punches Galactus... Well, she's she's the size of Galactus. She can take size Galactus. doesn't mean anything to Galactus. When Kitty Pride punches Galactus, what exactly happens to Galactus? 
He he takes a shot. He gets hit in the face. Yeah, so, okay, wait a minute. Does he keep standing there and suddenly look at her and says, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm suddenly aware of you? No, he's the same size as her. And I, I think it's not that bad a fight because – you know she she messes with electronics, and Galactus is all about... Galactus is not elect- He's not a robot, Brad. No, he, he has machinery. He has a lot he of He has machine- machinery, but that there's no way... Kitty Pride messes with machinery. She she uh, disrupts electronics. Galactus isn't, isn't a robot, Brad. He's, he's a living dude. Well, anyway, they, they go through his electronics. Yeah, no, I, I, I grant you that. That's brilliant, having Kitty Pryde grow and take out his world-eating machine stuff. That's cool. Right. That's what she did. But punching Galactus in the face, that's something Thor gets to do. You don't think Kitty Pryde can do it with her bare hands? No, Kitty Pryde cannot punch Galactus with her bare hands. <laughs> that's where you check out. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm done. I'm out, dog. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's Bendis and Because Comics. I guess that's I guess that's what that is. Uh, I'll give it a B. I love the artwork. A B for bullshit. <laughs> B for Brad. Uh, um, I, I'll give you Kitty Pride hitting him on the face isn't that bad, but I like the idea of him her messing with his. No, that's really good. Yeah. Number one, she doesn't have to grow to fifty feet to do that or whatever. Number two, she damn sure doesn't punch him in the face. Sorry, Bendis, but no. Uh, so, with this miniseries, we've we've lost Captain America. He died in sacrificing himself, and Thor also sacrificed himself. So, what are we left with within this universe? We're left with the second generation Spider-Man with Miles Morales, who's a very good character. Uh, Reed Richards has kind of reformed himself. Um, so, so he's not evil now. He's like, you know, I'm giving up all this evil. Well, I mean, he he's better than he was. He was the big bad of the universe. Now he's kind of, he's, he's kind of a uh, a reformed evil Reed. Do you see why people don't even care that much about this universe now? This universe, after 14 years, is slowly becoming the um, something that they say DC does, which is legacy characters. Let me ask you this, Brad. Yeah. What would you rather have? Would you rather have the MC2 universe and Spider-Girl back or this? The character of Miles Morales is equal to Spider-Girl, in my opinion. The universe of MC2 is better. I like the the happier universe as opposed to the Ultimates, where it's very, very sad. Everything has to be darker and edgier now. If, if Muppet Babies came back, Muppet Babies would be edgier and darker. But no, I think Miles is a great character, just as good, just as, good as Spider-Girl, honestly. I think I'm not talking cool. about... Miles versus May. I'm just talking about universe versus universe. Universes. I, I like the MC2. One universe. of them makes sense. The other one is like is like the producers of Lost, without <laughs> without a real compass, the, just doing whatever the, the hell they think will stick. The MC2 universe is very 1960s ish. You know, it's very the incre- the Incredibles, the Pixar movie, The Incredibles. It's very much that universe where it's it's awe and wonder, and there aren't really uh, effects. Of uh, a, a Galactus coming to eat the world, where or a giant flood happens. I guess I should, just, I guess I should just be glad that you know Galactus doesn't sit around listening to Coldplay in that universe or something. I don't know, <laughs> Green Day or whatever the hell. 
Anyway, I'm not going to convince you to the Ultimate Universe. You hate the Ultimate I, Universe. It, you, I, I could, I could, I couldn't. I don't think I could think of a storyline in the Ultimate Universe. And you were like, "Well, goddamn, that's pretty good." I just told you that having Kitty Pryde take out his electronic stuff sounded really cool. That's true. That's true. And I think if you gave Miles a chance, and if Miles is in the MC2 Universe or the 616, I think you. I like have it. said previously that if Miles made the jump over to 616 and played with the big boys over in over yeah. in the real over in the real universe. I, you know, I would I would be willing to give him a chance, check it out. You know, whatever. Maybe put him in a different city, like the way they did with Kane. Put him in, uh, you know, Chicago. God knows that city needs help. Well, anyway, this is setting up two books that are spinning out of it. It's going to be the uh, the all new Ultimates, I think, is maybe what it's called. Uh, the Ultimate All New Ultimates. Uh, the All New <laughs> Ultimate Ultimates. Exactly. Or that's going to be a team of like legacy characters, like uh, Miles is going to be on it. You've got uh, Spider-Woman, who's now being called Black Widow, which is Peter Parker's female clone. Uh, you've got Cloak and Dagger, and I, I think there's one more, but I can't think of her right now. I Kitty Pride was one of them. Yeah, Kitty Pride. There you go. Kitty Pride's going to be on the book. So I'm... Take my money. So, there. so there's going to be two or three Ultimate books now? There's going to be three. I'm only going to pick up two. I'm going to pick up the Ultimate Team book. And also, I guess it's Miles Morales Spectacular Spider-Man is what it's going to be called. Okay. And, so Miles uh, has a book, then the uh, the Ultimate, then, then the ultimate then, Runaways basically is what they're doing. And then what's the other one? <laughs> uh, ultimate Fantastic Four. And that's got a weird group, and it doesn't interest me at all. It's going to be Sue Storm, Tony Stark... Uh, I forget who else, but I have no. Man, Marvel just doesn't know what the hell they want to do with the Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, well, the Ultimate Universe is very. No, I mean, uh, it, it, I'm talking either universe. Yeah. That, oh, here it is. The Fraction thing was pretty good, but then that ends, and then you've got another reboot. Everyone wants to reinvent the wheel with the Fantastic. Or are you talking about Fraction's recent Fantastic Four? Yeah. Movie? Hated it. Didn't, you didn't like, like it. it. I like the way it. Did, I like the way it ended, but. I didn't. I mean, like that. I read the new one by, um, oh God, Leonard Kirk drew it. Who who wrote it? Was it Hickman? Uh, um, no, um, Robinson. Yeah, uh, James James Robinson. I picked it up. I'm not going to pick up another one. But uh, oh, you didn't like? No, it had a cool uh, thing, uh, thing, fang foom fight in it. I, and, and now the Fantastic Four are wearing red for some reason, which I don't understand. Uh, the Falcon. Tony Stark, Sue Storm, and X-51 make up the ultimate Fantastic Four. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm not picking it up. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, good month for Spire Satellites. What do you think? It was mixed. Very much. Superior Foes, uh, Team Up, and Ultimate's Last Stand, I think, were the best. Without Superior Foes, it, the whole month really takes a... <laughs> A big pendulum I, shift the other way. I mean, Carnage was a C. Uh, New Warriors were what D and a C, and uh, Marvel Knights Spider-Man was an F. Uh, Ultimates was a B. Uh, what'd you give Superior Team Up? Uh, I gave Superior Team Up uh, a B, and an A for Superior Foes. So that's all over, all over. Okay, the comic reviews are done. Let's move on to the cartoons. We've got one from Season 1, one from Season 2 of Ultimate Spider-Man. Where are we going, George? Uh, the first one we're doing... Straight to hell, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Season 1, Episode 8, Back in Black. Uh, this is directed by... Uh, Sorry, ACDC is in my head. Do you need a moment, or are you going to be okay? No, no, I'm good. I can, I can proceed. I got you DC need some on. more Mountain Dew? What's going on, Jomo? 
Yeah, let me chug a little bit. All right, All right, go ahead, talk. I'm going to go. All right. Uh, oh, hey. All right. No, this is uh, directed by Phil uh, Pignotti and uh, written by Man of Action. Again, which is four people, including Joe Kelly and Joe Casey. Um, Dragon Man. Uh, is tearing up Midtown, uh, but Peter can't go stop him because he's got the flu. So uh, a new black-suited Spidey shows up uh, and takes yep. him down while Peter watches it on TV with the flu. Now, New York falls in love instantly with new black-suit Spidey. Even Flash uh, bails on Spider-Man for black Spidey. He's like throwing out all his old Spidey stuff off his locker, you know, Spidey's old news, and black-suit Spidey's where it's at, you know, and, and Peter sees all of this. Uh, and, and in his head, Peter's going through a retro cartoon montage of all the possible black Spidey origins. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, he's a demon, you know, or he came from space. Uh, you know, he, he goes in to uh, see the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Spider Super Buddies, uh, Spidey teens or whatever, uh, who don't believe, you know, him when he when he tells them, hey, I think this is Venom. And they kind of laugh that off, and you're like, dude, Venom was like, you know, like huge like the Hulk. This yep. isn't Venom. So uh, Black Suit Spidey keeps thrashing Dragon, Dragon Man all over the city. Every day. It's like Dragon Man keeps, you know, the Dragon Man robot keeps showing up and keeps showing up. It was weird. The design actually made Dragon Man look like a robot instead of the Dragon Man that we know from the regular universe. Right. It looks like an actual Dragon Man who just happens to also be a robot. And this one, he actually looks like a robot. But... Um, you know, Spidey uh, manages to finally talk to him, uh, and he he just does nothing but mock Spidey incessantly and does it with this deep, booming voice, so you don't really know who he is. Uh, meanwhile, Norman uh, orders Otto, uh, Dr. Octopus, who again looks like a creepy, you know, weirdo uh, in this cartoon, to find out the truth behind the new black suit Spidey. Uh, also, or uh, Otto, you know, who created the black suit Spidey, or who created the symbiote, pardon me. Uh, right. Also believes it is related to Venom. Uh, we also find out that uh, Doc is behind the Dragon Man attacks because he's using them to test out the new Black Suit Spidey. So he just basically just, I guess, repairs Dragon Man and just keeps sending him back out every night, trying, trying to figure out, you know, what, what the power levels on uh, on the new, you know, Spider Man. Um, at school, Harry pulls Peter aside uh, into the bathroom. And reveals that he he is actually the black suit Spidey, and he's using the symbiote, which he's keeping on a watch. Of course, Peter's concerned. You know, Peter's like, "Dude, I don't think you ought to do this," and it pisses Harry off. You know, a lot of times, you know, Harry's getting short with Peter, and he's losing his temper with Peter because you know he's like, you know, why can't you just be on board with this? Why can't you just believe in me? Of course, Peter knows what the symbiote really is and what it'll do. Um, and the whole reason Harry's doing this is because he he wants to do something that's going to make his father proud, you know, which alarms Peter because Peter knows, dude, your your dad's just not that kind of cat. So, but you really do have some great Peter and Harry moments, uh, not just in this scene, but really, you know, in, in the in in the whole show. This writing team really does a good job of Harry and Peter and uh, and uh, Harry and Norman scenes, you know, of, of getting into them. They really do. Yeah. Um, now there's a funny montage of Aunt May and Mary Jane, because there's briefly, you know, he Spider-Man, he, he's jealous. Spidey's jealous of all this fame. The black suit Spidey. I mean, even Joda likes black suit Spidey. And so Peter's getting jealous. He's like, well, maybe I just need to unmask and unveil myself to the world. And it's funny because then you have a, a funny montage of Aunt May and Mary Jane surrounded by supervillains. But he's already fought in the cartoon like Wizard, you know, Bat Rock, Doctor Doom, and everybody else. 
um, you know, sitting sitting around them, you know, obviously, you know, meant to be a threat. At one point, Doctor Doom's even eating Peter's uh, Peter and Mary Jane are in a movie theater, and Doctor Doom reaches over and is like eating Peter's popcorn <laughs> in the movie theater. Yeah. Of course, these are just funny little, you know, cutaway things. They're not cherubs, yeah. so you know, sometimes these things work. So in this case, it did. And of course, you know, Mary Jane blames him. You know, she's like, "You just had to had to reveal your identity." And of course, it <laughs> makes me think of, you know, how stupid Civil War was. So <laughs> anyway, uh, and the unmasking was so. Uh, on the next Dragon Man battle, uh, Harry starts to lose it. Finally, and the symbiote starts to take over, and finally the symbiote fully takes over and just starts, you know, terrorizing the uh, the city. Um, Spidey distracts him, and they they have a big old fight. The fight is very, you know, I don't even like Venom, and the fight's really good uh, in this episode. Um, and Venom finally does bulk all the way out and become, you know, huge giant Capcom Venom again. And um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it's there's some disturbing scenes when Harry actually starts calling out for help underneath the symbiote, like trying yep. to escape it. Um, Venom winds up going after Norman, uh, and Spidey saves Norman. Um, you know, like they're in the middle of a boardroom meeting, uh, and then they wind up fighting on a rooftop uh, under one of Jonah's massive communication, you know, TV billboard screens, and uh, Spidey electrocutes Venom uh, not once but twice, uh, and then finally, you know, the second time being where he throws him. Into Jonah's giant uh, TV screen, uh, which defeats uh, the symbiote. Later on, you've got Norman going to visit Otto, and he tells him that he wants Venom. You know, this is a proven winner. He wants Otto to develop this further. Um, meanwhile, Fury debriefs Spidey, and uh, Spidey refuses to tell him who Venom is because he wants to protect Harry. Uh, which I like that. I like that. I thought that was a good. Um, if there's one thing that Spidey would defy Fury on, well, he does it routinely. But um, I, protecting his buddy would be would be one of the things that he's trying to do. So I, I thought that was a good character moment. Uh, and then later on, you know, we see the symbiote trailing out of Harry's ear while he's recuperating. Um, I give this episode a B. Uh, you know, for someone who doesn't like Venom fights, this this fight or or pardon me, Venom, this was a fun fight. Um, there were some annoying little cherub moments. Uh, this episode yeah. might have gotten a higher grade if it hadn't been for little cherry, you know, cherub moments. But again, the writers really do well when they write actual, honest to goodness, you know, meat and meat and bones, Peter and Harry scenes and Harry and Norman scenes. Right. So I really did. Uh, I really did enjoy this one. Well, I I, 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 I remember seeing it too. I, I I like this one too. Yeah. So okay. The, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brad. I mean, to bug you. was there any cons? You said the chair. Well, I didn't like the little chair. I never liked the little yeah. chair moments. I right. never ever liked the little chair moments. Sometimes the cutesy cutaway scenes work. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like all jokes. Some work, some don't. Yeah, but here I like that the uh, cutesy cutaway scenes proved how stupid Civil War was. <laughs> you know, I, can I hammer that point home enough? No, no, you you hate it. I like it. Yeah. But cool. <laughs> we've got uh, now one from season two, right? Yeah, actually, we've got two from season two. Okay. Uh, this is season two, episodes twenty one and twenty two, Blade and the Howling Commandos, part one and two. Uh, again, uh, directed by Phil Pignotti and uh, written by Man of Action, and also Kevin Burke and Doc Wyatt, uh, Chris Wyatt. Um, Burke and Wyatt wrote for uh, wrote a lot of uh, episodes for Avengers uh, uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, mostly uh, Hulk-centric episodes, but also some Black Widow and Cap stuff. 
Um, they also wrote the Avengers Assemble uh, episode or, or Dracula episode, which aired um, in July, I think, of last year. And the episodes that we're looking at uh, aired in October. So this was a continue or uh, not a continuation, but uh, this had you know these two episodes happened after that episode. Okay. So in uh, in Blade and the Howling Commandos Part One and Two, uh, we're dealing with Dracula. Now, if you're a classic Marvel fan like me, um, you know you're a, you like the Tomb of Dracula stuff. You're used to seeing the the Marvel Dracula the way he's supposed to be presented, and not the the jackassy you know, <laughs> not the jackassy look that he has now that makes him look like he's a cyber force villain. Right, you're, you're you're thinking of the uh, the Tomb of Dracula, 1970s. Uh, what, what's the artist that Gene uh, Colan? Gene Colan Dracula is who you're thinking of, yeah. Yeah, which looked like Jack Palance. Um, yeah. <laughs> but now here's here's the thing, and we need to talk a little bit about this. People, I think there's a lot of people out there who don't understand just how powerful Marvel Dracula is. Marvel Dracula is a bad dude. And there are so many different ways he can come at you. I mean, this is this is a guy who gives the X Men a run for their money, which means Spider Man would whip his ass. <laughs> but no, no I, I remember those um, uh, X Men annuals where Dracula went after Storm. Oh remember yeah, that? I mean, ask Wolverine yeah. how much of a badass Dracula is. Ask uh, Doctor Strange how much of a badass Dracula is. Yep. You know, ask Blade yep. how much of a badass Dracula is. Um, and. The writing here by uh, um, Burke and Wyatt, who I'm assuming do a lot of it since they wrote the Avengers Assemble episode, um, they initially, in part one, they do a lot. They do a good job of conveying the power and the danger behind him. Um, the Avengers Assemble episode did a, a good job of conveying just how powerful he is, you know, and all the different ways he can, he can screw up, a, you know, not just a, a hero, but a whole team. Um, so while I don't like the look, because again, he looks like a, like a cyber force supporting character. I I think this look came recently within the last five years. It did. The re the redesign of Dracula, which I just don't think is that cool. No, no, it didn't. It it works much better with the classic design. And I'm, I guess, I I don't know. I wonder if they're concerned that. Trying to present that Dracula today just won't work because he—I mean, he did. He looked like Dracula from like a 1960s horror movie. Yeah, I mean, he—that's exactly what Tomb of Dracula looked like. I mean, he had a pencil-thin mustache, but he was a bad dude. Yeah, I mean, he—he he literally was just, just all kinds of bad news. And honestly, you could—you could find a way to convey that and and you know to translate it far better than what we have. Than this guy that looks like somebody that Hellboy ought to be fighting. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my that's my Dracula rant. Um, so in part one, Fury dispatches the uh, the Shield Spider Super Buddy Teens team to uh, Spider Man's Modern Amazing Friends. <laughs> is that what they're called? <laughs> no, that's what I've I've never I've them. never gotten that before. I I've never yeah. really gotten that they have a name. They don't. Yeah, they don't. You know, have, so I always just call them the Shield Friends or whatever. You know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he dispatches him to meet up with Blade in a cemetery to escort him and an artifact. Um, they meet Blade and then immediately get jumped by uh, you know shadow vampires, um, who of course you know immediately Blade starts killing shadow vampires left and right. Uh, they yeah. they do a good job here of dealing with um, Spidey not wanting to kill anybody. 
uh, and Blade explaining that they aren't they aren't people. Uh, he says these particular vampires are shadow vampires, and they were they were never alive to begin with. So hey, don't feel bad about killing these things. Uh, yeah. and, you know, in the comic books, uh, Spider Man understands that. He's worked with Blade before. Spider Man in six one six gets that when you're a vampire, you're you're not a person anymore. You're just a yeah. so uh, there's and I know it seems like like uh, I'm trying to think when the last time I saw Spider Man and Blade together was it in the Mackie run? Uh, no, he was in the uh, the modern Blade book where Spider Man was a vampire. I'm not sure if you read that. Oh. That probably came out like 2009 right. or 2010. But I didn't. Okay. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. So anyway. There's a good fight scene uh, in the cemetery and then and into parts of the city uh, where the heroes, you know, showcase their abilities and and you know uh, they're able to turn back the vampire horde. Iron Fist and Nova really get to shine here. Of course, I love it any time this Iron Fist kid gets to show off what he can. Yeah. Um, but Nova actually gets to do a, a good job here too because he Nova's out, you know, becomes really bright and uh, manages to uh, incinerate many of the shadow vampires in an alley. Um, Blade warns the heroes that uh, Dracula has returned to take over the Earth. And, of course, the heroes are like, blah, ha, ha, Dracula. And then Blade you know, drops logic on him and is like, no, you don't understand. Um, <laughs> He's a bad mother. Yeah. Shut your mouth. Yeah. I'm talking about Dracula. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they all, they all meet up back at the Shield Helicarrier, and uh, they get a rundown from Agent Coulson who comes in. And it turns out Dracula is trying to get uh, uh, this character called or not a character, but something called uh, Tekamentep's Ankh. It's a very powerful Ankh, you know, an, an Egyptian Ankh that's been separated into two halves. You get a really nice cartoon montage here done in hieroglyph. You know, um, like, a, like a montage, uh, just very well done, um, That with Coulson explaining what the Ankh does. And basically, if Dracula takes both pieces and, and unites the Ankh, it's going to make him and every other vampire on Earth basically invincible, and they're just going to rule the Earth. Mm-hmm. So it's very bad news. Uh, Blade leaves to go get the second half of the Ankh, and Fury tells the team to sit it out because of all the danger involved. I liked this because Nick Fury, yes, would never send a, a, a team of teenagers to, to take on Dracula because Nick right. Fury would know there's going to be several dead teenagers later on. So I really did like this because at first I was like, "Oh God, please, Nick Fury, please tell them, you know, don't tell them to go with Blade." And, and they did a good job uh, here because you know Nick's like, "No, sit this one out, no way. Uh, this is this is beyond. This is out of your pay grade." But of course, the Spider Buddies, as they want to do, defy his orders, which is in character for you know this entire series. And they leave. They sneak out to go back up Blade at the museum. Blade makes it very clear to them that this is their choice to go into this yeah. with him. In other words, he's saying, "I'm not responsible when you die." Right. And so it's very grim. I mean, they they do a, a pretty good job of conveying that. Uh, now, Spider-Man. Once they get inside the museum, Spider-Man does uh, uh, get the Ankh, but it turns out, you know, because Blade's trying to stop him because the Ankh is under a protective cloak that's shielding it from Dracula being able to find it. Uh, of course, Spider-Man pulls it out, and uh, the team immediately gets attacked by more of those shadow vampires, uh, followed by Dracula himself, who enters in via a magical portal. Um, of course, Spider-Man starts with the jokes, uh, prompting White Tiger uh, to tell him, dude, you need to shut up. This guy is a major villain here. And Spider-Man breaks the fourth wall, which normally annoys the hell out of me. 
Yeah. Because this is something Deadpool should do, not Spider-Man. Uh, Spidey breaks the fourth wall to explain to the you know to everybody. This is what I do. I use humor to throw bad guys off their game, and I liked that. I liked him breaking the fourth wall to explain that, saying, "Yes, I know this dude is a major threat, but I am trying. This is what I do. I'm trying to disarm him and, and keep him off balance, you know, by by riling him, you know, by getting him riled up." Okay, then he, he does that and then throws a ball of webbing at Dracula, who catches it. Dracula is not impressed with your little jokes, dude. He's not going to be. You're not going to take Dracula off guard here, despite you know, by, by quips. So anyway, uh, the fight breaks out. Dracula grabs Cage, uh, and since he can't bite Cage, Dracula hypnotizes him and turns him on the others. Um, in turn, he does this with the uh, with all the other members of the team. I had a problem with Iron Fist. Being so quickly hypnotized, uh, an adult mm-hmm. Iron Fist uh, wouldn't be able to be hypnotized by Dracula, but um, but here Iron Fist should have been able to hold back longer than he did from from coming under Dracula's control. Uh, anyway, Spidey notices that they're fighting in a greenhouse. They started off in one part of the museum, but then the fight spilled over into another part, which just happens to be a greenhouse. So he uses his webbing to hit the lights and flood the whole thing with UV rays, which makes Dracula run. Um, the other teen heroes uh, all go with Dracula through the portal because they're now under his control. So Spidey returns to the helicarrier where uh, Fury introduces Spider-Man to the Howling Commandos, which are you know his his like I guess it's like a Spidey thinks it's like some sort of secret team that Fury mm-hmm. has, but then Fury explains to him in the next episode, or no, the other teenagers explain to him later on uh, in the next episode. No, they're not a secret. They're in the manual. Don't you ever read the manual? You would know about these guys. But basically, his Howling Commandos are made of monsters. You have Encantu, the Living Mummy, Frankenstein's Monster, and Werewolf by Night. And so that's where the first episode leaves off. Um, so that's episode 21. I give that one an A. Episode 21 yep. gets an A. Um, just when I started to notice stuff that would potentially be going wrong... Uh, in my head, like Nick Fury sending teenagers out to face Dracula, or you know, breaking the fourth wall, um, you know, to address Spider-Man's humor, they, they the cartoon corrected it and did a good job to address it. Like r- almost right as I was starting to get, uh, you know, like scared, like oh, don't you know, don't do this. And then the, it was like the cartoon knew I would be apprehensive about it and said, no, don't <laughs> worry about this. And I was like, okay. Right. Um, I still hate that Dracula looks like, looks like a Cyber Force villain. Instead of the actual uh, Marvel Dracula, but you know, again, they they convey the power very well. Um, you didn't, we didn't have any distracting video game title cut screens here, which was really good, and the fight scenes were very well done. It also continues the the uh, thing of season two being a lot better than season one. Uh, it does. Uh, yeah. It does. It's, you know, um, of course, yeah, I, I still think the best episode I've seen overall was that one with the Hulk and, you know, Mary Jane with the camera and they were fighting right. uh, Zach's. Yeah. That was, that was, you know, just fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the Guardians of the Galaxy episode from season two. Yeah, was, that was good was too. Very, very strong. Um, so in part two, Spidey and the Howling Commandos. And let's talk about the Howling Commandos uh, for a little bit. They're, a, they're different. Well, Frankenstein is, is more or less the Marvel Frankenstein, except he has a giant hammer on his left hand instead of a hand. And if I remember correctly, Marvel put out a Howling Commando, Commandos book in the 2000s where it was monsters. Yeah, they've, if I remember they've, correctly. They've, well, they've done, yeah. they've done this, and they've done a legion of monsters before. Yeah. Um, well, the Howling Commandos goes back to his original 
team before the 60s, right? Yeah, back when, back when he was a soldier in World War II. Right, right. That's, what, that's why they were called the Howling Commandos, yeah. Um, but uh, Frankenstein's monster, you know, nowadays has a massive gun and, you know, yeah. all kinds of other stuff that he didn't have back uh, when Marvel Horror was so strong back in the 70s. Um, and uh, Werewolf by Night uh, wears clothes and is more of a soldier who just happens to be a werewolf. Um, yeah. I didn't mind this so much. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Werewolf by Night fan um, because Werewolf by Night, you know, more or less does act as an adventurer. Uh, it's just this one he has a little more control over his werewolf form, which I, I kind of wish, you know, we hadn't seen. But I, I, it, didn't, it didn't irk me or anything. But in Cantu, the living mummy, they really took some liberties with him. Mm-hmm. Um, in Cantu, first of all, doesn't talk all that much because – his vocal cords are very dry. Literally, in the comic, uh, the character is kept alive by uh, this like magical embalming fluid, but he doesn't have water in his body, you know, tear ducts, things like that. And when it talks, it's painful for him to talk, so he doesn't talk all that much. Um, this character in the in the cartoon was a pharaoh. Encounter was not a pharaoh. Uh, in fact, he was a slave that the Egyptians had uh, had taken to. Uh, Forcing, you know, to build the pyramids. He was a pyramid builder, building slave, mm-hmm. um, who rose up against one of the uh, one of the priests. Um, so, and then they made him a mummy. He wasn't he wasn't a pharaoh. So they and also in Cantu here has like tendrils, like his wrappings can come off. You know, like he can use them to attack people or tie people up and all this other stuff. Oh, and he uses magic. All this stuff is, is not stuff that the Living <laughs> Mummy does in the comic book. So if you're a fan yeah. of the Living Mummy, yeah, you, you won't. You know, you, you're not going to like particularly care for this take. I don't think because they really change a lot of stuff with uh, with Encanto. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, they, you know, they repel uh, an attack on the helicarrier because Dracula comes to try to get the Ankh. Um, the spider team, and you know, also comes with Dracula. And it's weird because the, the, the spider team, all of Spider-Man's friends, don't use their full powers, uh, or at least they didn't initially in the first fight in the last episode. Whenever they're trying to go after them, and and the the Howling Commandos do a pretty good job of of handling them, except they they distract the the others. Um, they distract the others, you know. Well enough so the Dracula can get his hands on the Ankh uh, before uh, Encantu can use his magic powers to lock down the Helicarrier. Um, fearing an attack on Aunt May, because as soon as he has the Ankh and he's mind control all of Spider-Man's friends, Werewolf by Night reminds him, you know, he's like, it's either Werewolf by Night or Encantu, but one of them says, you know, now that he's controlling your friends' minds or that he's hypnotized them, they're under his control. They know everything. He knows everything that they know. So if you have any loved ones, you need to go check on them. So. The whole team, or the whole team, uh, the three Howling Commandos and Spider-Man go to check on Aunt May. Now, this is all happening on Halloween night. So Aunt May opens the door, and she's dressed like a witch, you know, and she's going to mm-hmm. hand out candy. And there's Spider-Man with Frankenstein, uh, a werewolf, and a mummy. And, and then Peter is so worried about her, he pulls his mask off, not realizing he's Spider-Man, you know. He just wants to make sure she's okay. And and then she's like, oh, Peter, it's you. And then suddenly he realizes, oh, crap, I just took my mask off in front of my aunt. You know, <laughs> but then she thinks that his other friends, you know, she she thinks that his friends are um, are uh, are or she thinks that the Howling Commandos are are Luke and Danny and uh, Sam, you know, his, his uh-huh. friends. So 
you know, she hands them out some candy. Frankenstein's monster like takes a giant handful of candy. Um, but they're like, okay, well, Aunt May's safe. But as soon as they walk off the porch, the shadow vampires attack, uh, and they repel a shadow vampire attack. You know, uh, attack on Aunt May's house. Once they know that she's okay, they decide to take this their vehicle, which is like, like this giant machine that can, you know, is that that is able to magically teleport the same way that Dracula can. Um, and they call it the monster truck. It's this huge, giant, you know, thing. If this thing, if this thing is not a toy, I don't know why not. Because, you know, it kind of sells. They should have action figures for all that crap. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they take the monster truck uh, out to to Transylvania. They use it to portal the, over to Dracula's castle. Uh, again, they get attacked by more shadow vampires. But then the shadow vampires are attacked by the man thing. Who is suddenly in Transylvania with no explanation? And <laughs> Spider-Man's like, "Well, what is that?" You know, when he sees all this vegetation growing and attacking them, and they're like, "Oh, that's the Man Thing." Oh, okay. Well, hey, Man Thing. <laughs> Are you giant-sized? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> stick around. Stick around. There's yeah. more on that one. Yeah. So suddenly, Man Thing just is with them. Um, okay. I love Man Thing, but I'm like, dude, Man, you know, there's a way to explain Man Thing getting there. They're just too lazy to do it, which I didn't like so much. But uh, anyway, they storm Dracula's castle. Uh, Spider, you know, Blade basically tells uh, Spider-Man, "Look," and there's friction between Blade and this team uh, because Blade, or I should, I should preface that, but Blade reunites with the team at Aunt May's house. Before the, and then they all get in the monster truck, but there's friction because you can tell the Blade used to be part of this team and now he's not. Blade's on his own personal vendetta against Dracula, and yeah. he's had some sort of falling out to Howling Commandos at some point. Uh, anyway, so they're all storming the castle. You got Spider-Man, Blade, Werewolf by Night, Incantu, Frankenstein, and Man Thing. Okay, um, all the monsters are going to go after Dracula, and Blade tells Spider-Man, "Look, go take care of your friends. We got this. All right." So Spider-Man goes, he rescues his friends who are like being held in these like weird translucent blue magical coffins, which are actually kind of creepy. Um, you know, gets all gets all his friends woken up. They're not under Dracula's control anymore. They they go outside to try to find everybody else, and the, the fight is spilled outside of the castle. And they see uh, the Howling Commandos and Blade taking on Dracula. So they they jump in trying to help out, but it's kind of futile because Dracula winds up getting the onk anyway. And, you know, so suddenly, you know, he, Dracula joins the Ankh together. The sun is coming up, and Dracula's like, yes, I own the Earth. And then Spider-Man grabs the Ankh from him. And, and, and right behind Spider-Man, the sun's coming up. And Dracula can't get over to Spider-Man to get the Ankh. So he's like, ah, oh, curse you, you've defeated me. Well, he doesn't say that. They actually have a little bit better dialogue than that. Um, and he, he's forced to flee back inside his castle. So Spider-Man and the monsters are sitting around thinking, yay, we won. And then suddenly, Incantu, the living mummy, backstabs everybody and snatches the onk from Peter. <laughs> yeah. He uses it to grow to a colossal size and swears vengeance on Nick Fury for basically collecting him for his freak platoon and then opens a portal to go to New York City so he can kill Nick Fury and go on a, uh, on a giant monster rampage. So basically now, they've taken all these liberties with Encantu, and then they've taken all these qualities like from the living monolith. Remember, Brad, the living monolith? Yes. And they've combined yes. the living monolith remember, with Encantu. I remember that. 
I remember that uh, graphic novel from the Revenge early Revenge of the Living Monolith. Yeah, where the Avengers and Spider-Man went up against So at this point, I'm, the eyes are rolling back in my head, and I'm like, why didn't we just have more creepy Dracula stuff? Why <laughs> did we have to have Encantu be this person he's never been before yeah. and combine him with another damn villain? Hmm. You know, because it doesn't – at this point, the episode really goes downhill pretty quick. Um that's too bad. Oh yeah, it really was. Uh, the the other heroes get because no, you like the first one. Yeah, I did like, like the, the first one. Well, yeah. the second one, it's no, it's not as good. So yeah. anyway, they jump back in the uh, the monster truck. They portal over to New York uh, to try to stop um, uh, Encantu, and the monsters are like, "Dude, we can't stop Encantu. He's got the onk. He's too powerful. Uh, might as well just chill here and you know enjoy the end of the earth." Um, meanwhile, Nick Fury's fighting him in like a, some sort of shield fighter craft, and he's shooting energy down at him. Spider-Man gives the monsters a pep talk, you know, basically, hey, we can't quit, yada yada. Um, we've got to try to, to stop in Cantu, and so the monsters are finally like, okay, we can do this. And so they they decide, well, Man Thing's got a pretty good shot, but you know, he, he's not he's not big enough right now. So Spider-Man throws open a manhole cover, you know, oh hey, we have a sewer here. Welcome to New York City, and I'm like, dude. Man thing works on vegetation, not poop. <laughs> you know? But okay, whatever. So suddenly All right. so suddenly now Man Thing is as large as in Cantu, who is you know, impersonating the living monolith. And then of course you have the obligatory gag look. Did did they say it? Yeah, Spider Man says it oh. and it even gets its own cut screen. <laughs> with, with the title Giant Size Man Thing. Oh, time, wow. I don't mind a little cutaway title scene. Wow, they do it, Yes, huh? they do it. Um, <laughs> so Man-Thing engages... How did that pass the censors? Oh, dude, well, I don't, you know, it, it. it's literally what he is. He's a giant-sized Man-Thing. I know, but, it, yeah, all right. You know, it's, it's something only grown-ups are going to get. Grown-ups and, and 12-year-old boys. <laughs> so... <laughs> so Man Thing becomes a giant and goes after Encantu, and while they fight, Spider Man manages manages to uh, to to get his hold uh, or to get a hold of the Ankh, and uh, and then he, you know which or part not to get a hold of it, but he separates it from Encantu, and then Man Thing smashes it, which breaks Encantu's power, and he's defeated, and now they've won the day. Um, so, so part one, this 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 gets a C. Part one was a great start. Part two is is so much weaker. Again, you have so many liberties taken with Encantu to the point where if you're an Encantu fan, you're like, son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, what are you doing to my Encantu? Um, the entire episode should have focused solely on Dracula, you know, instead of, instead of just a half an episode that they do. It, the whole episode, we should have never had Encantu becoming a bad guy at the end. And, you know, that was wasted time. That was time taken away from Dracula. That could have, could have easily been a better story. Man Thing's involvement was fun. Um, his powers were slightly wonky. Uh, normally, Man Thing, you know, his powers work on on whatever um, he can sense emotion, and violence will enrage him. But if you, but so will fear. Like if you're afraid of Man Thing, it will enrage Man Thing, and he will reach out to touch you and burn you. His body puts off a corrosive chemical that can burn people. Um, right. He he does touch Spider Man uh, in the episode. Um, he touches Spider Man on the shoulder, and and one of the monsters says, "Hey, Man Thing likes you." And um, Man Thing 
himself doesn't usually emote. He doesn't have a lot of short-term or long-term memory. Like if you meet Man-Thing, Man-Thing's not going to remember you in a month. Right. He's not a conversationalist. No, either. no, he's not. Um, he's an interesting character, but you know, his powers. It's the people. It's the people that surround him that make him interesting. I've always thought. Yeah, it's the stories that go on around him. He's he's like he's a yeah. cipher. He's like a bigfoot. Yeah. Now they've done good stories before where you know it's dealing with what with, with him and what he's briefly thinking. Um, but yeah, mostly it's what's going on around him. You know, he's more like a force of nature, kind of yeah. like Godzilla. You know. Yeah. Or Groot. I I think yeah. he's 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 a man of few words. But uh, but at the same time, you know, he he hangs out in the Florida Everglades uh, in a place called the Nexus of All Realities, uh, which, by the way, is how Howard the Duck came to Earth. Um, how he was suddenly in Transylvania is not explained in the cartoon. It could have easily been explained that he could have gotten there, to the, that he could have sensed what Dracula was doing, and, and it drew him through the Nexus of All Realities over there. But they didn't stop. They didn't bother with it. Just, oh, hey, suddenly Man-Thing's here so we can have a, a Man-Thing joke, a giant-sized Man-Thing joke. Um, anyway, so, yeah, this one, the second part you get to see was just not just not as strong as uh, as the first part. Cool. All right, we got coming up what, uh, season two's almost wrapping up, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we're getting close to the end of season two. Of course, remember, we jumped in probably halfway. Right, so, we still got to get some episode early episode two, right. season two is going. Yeah, so next month we'll be doing uh, episode nine, Field Trip, which deals with Asgardians and Thor and Loki, uh, which has an homage to uh, the Thunder Frog stories from... Uh, oh, the Simonson yeah, stuff. From yeah, from Thor 364 uh, through 366. Right. And then um, season two, episode 23, which is Second Chance Hero, which brings a Norman in as the Iron Patriot trying to be a good guy against Dr. Octopus. 